everybody. Welcome to Curly Girlies Cracking the Kid Code with Atara and Grace. I am Atara Torsky, founder of the Curly Girl Movement, author of the Curly Girly book series, and owner of curlygirly.com, spelled with two E's at the end of curly and two E's at the end of girly. And I am here with my amazing co-host and good friend, Grace Cross. Hi, Grace. Hi, Atara. And hi, everybody. I'm Grace Cross. I'm the owner of The Baby Spot, the only global parenting magazine where you could find me at thebabyspot.ca. Now, I have Little Miss Justice in my head, and we have a super fun and interesting guest today. I just gave a bit of a clue. Atara, who do we have? Oh, my God. I am so excited to welcome the co-founder of Dave's Killer Bread, Dave Dahl. Dave is a business owner, but his story is really one of transformation. Formerly living as a homeless person in Detroit, Michigan, and then incarcerated in prison, Dave found the inner strength to turn his life around. Through hard work and perseverance, Dave achieved both personal and financial success. But Dave has not forgotten where he came from and how he got there. After making Dave's Killer Bread a huge success, the company was sold in 2015, and Dave pursued another passion, collecting African tribal art. Today, Dave's life mission is about inspiring others to become better individuals, business owners, and community members. Dave is also the host of his own podcast called Felony Inc., which airs on the Startup Radio Network. Dave, we are so, so happy to get this opportunity to speak with you today. How are you? I am fantastic. I'm, I'm honored to be on the show. Oh, thank you. you. And I know you're in Oregon, so how's it going there today? Well, I can tell you're not from Oregon because you you say it like a a foreigner. (laughs) I say it like a non-Oregoner, right? Yeah, uh, I love Oregon this time of year. It's it's a perfect time to be here. I'm working on having, uh, you know, on securing some some vacation properties that I could be at the rest of the year. But uh, summer and summer and fall are usually pretty good. Oh, it's beautiful. just beautiful. It's such so a nice. beautiful state. So I really want to just start off by saying, like, full disclosure, like, all we eat in our home, Dave, is Dave's Killer Bread. Um, we really began eating healthy and then we found your bread and we've turned our friends onto it because it's really delicious and healthy at the same time. So it's amazing, and that you're like a celebrity in my home. So I just wanted to get that out there. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was aiming for. <laughs> you were going for Mission that. Mission accomplished. Okay. <laughs> so tell us a little. I, I love the way you actually branded the bread with your picture on it. Tell us a little about how, about the branding story and a little bit how you got started. It's it's a crazy, wonderful thing. Um, got out of prison basically 2005, um, I'm going to cut to the chase and say that I made, with by August of 2005, I was in a farmer's market selling my bread. Oh, my gosh. And it, was, it just happened so quickly. People say, how long did it take to create the bread? I say 43 years because that's really how old I was. And it didn't just it, – all of the things that I did in my life added up to being the person and being ready for the opportunity. Uh, but when I, while I was in prison, I I discovered computer computerated drafting. I uh, discovered that I was actually a capable human being, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I discovered humility and just being who I am, being being exactly who I am, no more, no less. 
Um, and it was just so freeing for me. In fact, my first free moments uh, were when I was 38 years old and with a bunch of time left to do on my prison sentence. So I, I took that, I took all that that I learned and I applied it to bread. And, uh, you know, the, the logo actually is the result of a, and a, a copyright attorney telling me, telling us that uh, we needed a distinctive logo to go with, you know, the the bread. And, uh, you know, while he was talking about it, I, I imagined my brother wanted a picture of me and my guitar on the back of the bread. Mm-hmm. But I decided that, you know, I, I took that idea and I put it into a logo instead where it's not actually me it's actually some cartoon idealized version of me of yourself <laughs> isn't that neat i like that and the a lot. idea the idea was this guy on the on a brick wall painted on a brick wall with his guitar and the brick wall and big letters dave's bread and somebody comes along with a red spray can spray can and uh tags killer over that <laughs> uh, yeah, that didn't really Nobody ever sees that in the logo, but that's what was intended. Right. No one actually can see that. That's interesting. Well, I think what what's so cool about it is that, um, you know, bread and feeding ourselves, right? It's such a, a visceral experience. And that's really what your brand is. It's something that's, it's more than just, your logo is more than just, you know, a picture. It's really something that people began to identify and feel an emotional connection with. And then coupled with the fact that your bread is actually delicious, I think those two things really helped propel it to where it is today. Would you agree? Yeah, I would think that if the bread had, the product hadn't been exceptional, I don't think that uh, the story would have taken off as well but uh there had to be it was like the perfect storm of, of a story that that nobody would want to have nobody would want to go through that right but uh you know i survived it and i learned a lot from it and uh people were interested in it so i was it was like i said a perfect storm of for marketing and for just you know helping people too And that's definitely the M.O. You know, we find with a lot of people who have formerly been incarcerated that it's a challenge to find work. So I've always found in my experience that people who have been incarcerated, they um, become entrepreneurs. And you are such a beacon of success for these people that life can continue and be great. And it can be on your terms as an entrepreneur. Yeah, and, you know, an entrepreneur opportunity is there for some folks. Not everyone is intended to be, not everybody has that in them. Yes. Uh, so I, I like to, I like to point out to ex felons and such, and anyone who, you know, needs to turn it around, um, there are other opportunities as well. Yes. So I'm in Portland, for instance, we are, we have a lot of construction going on and we don't have enough bodies to do it. Okay. We, uh, so, so there's there's a, an organization called Constructing Hope that I am a part of. But, well, I'm a big supporter of, and they they teach people the trades. And you know, I learned a trade in prison, and that was the beginning of my life. You know, beginning of my new life. Oh, and uh, that that eventually resulted in Dave's Killer Bread. But 
uh, we did hire ex-felons because of my experience, and we were very successful with that idea. And it was amazing to watch the lives being changed. Right. So was there a moment like, so you're incarcerated. Let, let me ask you, how long were you actually incarcerated for? And was it on and off or was it uh, just one long period of time? I went down uh, stateside, which is, you know, prison for four four separate times. I did a lot of jail sentences, a lot of county county time, and mm-hmm. the total was about 15 years. Wow. Okay. And was there a moment or a series of events that led up to you saying, okay, I'm done with that life, and now I want to work on really becoming a better person? Was there a moment in prison that that happened, or can you tell us about that? Absolutely, yeah. It was 2001. I had a lot of time left. Uh, I told you, I referred earlier to the moment. I was 38 years old at the time. Right. Um, right. I had been... You know, one thing about prison is you have a lot of time, and if your brain is going in the wrong direction, it's really bad. So, you know, my my mind was basically given up. I, I was, I thought, you know, what do I have left? I, I don't, I, I haven't done anything right yet. Right. And uh, here I go, you know, I got all this time left to do, and then what am I going to do when I get out? So um, that, that was the first half of uh, 2001. Um, but I had the, I had a moment of clarity, a moment where of, of humility, mm-hmm. where I was able to fill out a kite, which is an inmate communication form okay. to, um, to psych services. They gave me medication that actually helped clear my mind and made me capable of not going down those negative paths into depression and, okay. uh, you know, uh, all that. So that was the first step. And then I got into a computer aided drafting program, which was, uh, you know, which could have been anything. It just happened to be, that was my opportunity. And in, in prison, in other words. Yes. Yeah. And it was a big deal. I'm very grateful for that. For that. I am too. And that they have these programs so people could learn new skills and find themselves uh, again in being successful in the trades. Or I love that they have graphics because it's so needed across the United States. It's such an amazing career and you could take it so many different ways. Yeah, that was my, um, you know, that was my opportunity. Unfortunately, they took the program away after that. Oh, no. I, I was just blown away. I was like, oh, my God, there's somebody else could really benefit from this. Um, not everybody goes in there and comes out like that. You know, it's uh, not everybody is successful when, right. when they are given an opportunity because not everybody's ready, you know. That's right. Um, I, I had suffered enough. That's how I look at it. I, I was like, that's enough for me. And if there's any way I can get out of this and, and change turn around, you know, I'm open to that. And, and so when the opportunity came to me, I, uh, I just, I knocked it out of the park and I've seen other folks do that. And I've seen other folks that weren't ready. And then I, I've seen the, the people that weren't ready later on become ready. Mm-hmm. And so you, you just don't give up on people, you know? That's right. That's, I think that's it's a, such a great lesson. Don't you think so, Grace? Because like as a parent and um, rearing children and just becoming a better person and a better mom or dad. It's really about finding um, the right time 
and the right space to become who you're supposed to be. And there's no one that can do that for you. You really, you can help your child along, but at some point, they have to be the one. Absolutely. And so you can only empower so much. And then you have that person, that child has to take control themselves. Don't you agree? Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, go ahead. Oh, no. So, uh, sorry, Dave. What were you going to say? Yes, Dave. No, I was, I was going to, I was going to, uh, uh, you know, respond to that. The, you know, um, one of the things that wasn't done in my case was nobody enabled me mm -hmm. to continue this stupid, stupid path that I was on. Um, so it was, it wasn't like I could, I had a really good, uh, path to, con to continue con destroying my life. Right. I was, it was destroyed and I, I came from the ashes, but, um, you know, enabling people, tough love is actually the best way. And I, at least in my experience and, uh, you know, I, what's really cool about all of it is this is a parenting thing. Um, I have two daughters who are grown up right? and they, they have three daughters between them. So I have five uh, female offspring, and they're all uh, incredible. They're really great. And so, I mean, how I've been very blessed, you know, considering I wasn't really there for their childhood. Maybe that was a good thing. <laughs> right. And now they, you have these five beautiful girls who probably look up to you. And it sounds like you all are very close. How important is it to be really tight as a family? Well, I'm, I'm working on that. It's one of those things that, uh, you know, I think my daughters and myself are a little bit re reticent. Is it the right word? Uh, we, we've, we're both, we're all shy in a okay. way. Right. So you're, you're a little reserved and quiet on the quieter side, maybe. Yeah. And not being really like outgoing and or social. Um, uh -huh. Okay. Yeah. We, we, we are we're all scared of each other i don't know but uh, <laughs> we, we have developed more and more of a relationship and uh, it's been really great that's well really yeah it sounds like you overcame probably some hard times with them where you didn't have much to do with them but you know you you've been able to come back to one another and there's something so beautiful about that for everyone so i think that's a Right? It's a great lesson. All right, let's talk a little bit about your healthy bread. So, I mean, you could have made any bread. So what made you decide to go down the, you know, the route of the seeds and, and really trying to create a nice, delicious, multi-grain, healthful kind of food? Well, my dad was a baker, too. And um, the family, when I, when I got out of prison, I rejoined the family bakery. And that's what gave me the uh, platform. Mm -hmm. uh, I would not have chosen baking as a way to make a living if I hadn't had an opportunity there with my family and, and saw some, you know, saw an exponential opportunity for myself and and to make a mark. So um, we were we were always always a natural foods bakery, okay. but we the bakery was losing its was was having trouble the only thing that well i wouldn't say they're having trouble they were they were making private label products for uh trader joe's okay and uh and that was that was keeping things afloat but they needed some, a boost and so when i got out i i saw that you know where our strength was you know first of all i love I like whole grain bread because that's what my dad made. That's what I grew up on. I, Delicious. I really, I kind of avoid, even when I go to a restaurant or whatever, 
I, you know, I, I tend to grab a piece of bread to try it out, but I try not to eat too much of it. Um, and, and I, they never have the kind of bread that I, that I want, which is more like mine. Um, it's dense, chewy, seedy, full of, you know, less processed stuff. And, um, there's just something about that, that, that makes it great. And I always knew that. And so I went out and I tried the best products that were out there. I thought, and I actually replicated those those items before I made my own. Just like you would in drafting, you go out and you if you right. want to make a great table. You have to learn how to make the the, the the table the best table out there first, and then you have to make a better one. Right. <laughs> so you did that like in your own kitchen. You're just like I'm going to try out different recipes. I had a I had a little spot in the bakery. I would I was working a forty hour week, and sometimes fifties whatever hours uh just working on the line at 12 bucks an hour and uh i was able to um i had time after that because you know i was i got out of prison i was pretty much alone right and right, i didn't right. have that much. so uh, i was able to focus and uh i worked on these products after uh, after hours in the bakery wow okay Till, till you found what really felt like it, it was the right, it was the right mix of everything. Yeah. And I was testing it out on people. Uh, <laughs> some of the, the first batches I made were basically bricks and I, I didn't, I, I didn't test those out on people. <laughs> uh, you know, I, once I got a, the first time I pulled the loaf of what became killer bread, I, um, I was blown away by its beauty, and right. um, that was what I was aiming for, uh, was a beautiful loaf of bread as well as um, a tasty loaf of bread and a healthy bread, and it was called Blue's Bread, which is still available. Um, it was the first one. I took it out, and I, I, I gave a couple people loaves to take home, and you know, from that point on, I was getting rave reviews. There were some haters, but uh, overall, um, I was getting some really good reviews. That I, I knew I had something. Yeah, and, and it's almost like celebrities are like, it's kind of cool now and chic to eat Dave's Killer's Bread. Like, I'm, I'm seeing them talk about you. So that must feel so wonderful to see how far you've been able to take this. To, it's like mainstream now, right? Yeah. Because of that, I've met some really cool people. From the time that I first started making the bread and selling it at the farmer's market, I was meeting people that I would never meet because they're these people from all different walks of life, a lot of times professional people and, you know, all the way up to senators and, and you know, all those kinds. And uh, I, I just got a lot of love from... People, all different sorts of people. Like the bread is a common denominator of of everyone. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, everyone could could appeal to could uh, appreciate it. Yeah, I think it would be great to get it into the school systems and replace the white bread with something like this. What do you think about that? Well, uh, the school systems are notoriously looking for a deal, and so <laughs> um, it's hard to. What we found is it's hard to uh, to provide that kind of bread at a budget that they can, can, that they can afford. Can right. Yeah. I mean, this bread is just ingredients alone, far, you know, far more expensive right. than, uh, than another bread than, than a typical bread. 
That's true. Well, you know, natural foods are like that. It's the 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 cost of making them are are more expensive, but the payoff is just well worth it, in my opinion. But I understand the schools probably that's a struggle for them. So I I love the the way you brought the the, the felons in. Was it like a program that you did? Tell us a little about that. The ex felons. Well, yeah, I didn't, you know, start out. We didn't start out going, oh, let's go hire a bunch of felons. Right. It, it didn't, it, it's not like that seemed like a business model to pursue. But we, you know, because of my success, because I knew I had turned my life around and I was able to uh, do some great things, be a great employee to begin with, I I knew that it was, and we all knew that, that it could be done with other people. So we... At first, my, I made the mistake of just hiring people because I knew them and I was giving them a chance. Um, unfortunately, that's kind of like enablement, you know. It's, right, it, right. You're, right. You're just you're not picking the right people. Right, you're just right. Sometimes that you can be an enabler in the wrong instance. Yeah. So if a person's not ready, then you don't really want to give them a job because what they're going to do is screw it up for other folks who come after them that might want a job that are ready. Um, So what I did is I I failed a little bit, and then we kept trying, but we were a little bit more thoughtful about it. Like, you know, what have you been doing the last six months or a year? You know, what what did you do while you were incarcerated to make yourself a better person? There's there's uh, there's ways to find out if somebody's ready. Now you're still gonna you're still gonna have failures, but you're gonna have failures no matter what. And um, these people, if you pick the right people, they can be even way better than your average uh, employee. That's amazing. And Dave, like, because you've had so much experience with this, and so many of our parents sometimes feel lost, what are some top ways that you can tell or give advice to our parents to tell that they are ready to dive into something new or to just take a risk, a positive risk? What are some of the top ways that you can tell that somebody's ready? Uh, You mean a human being in general ready for... Uh, yes. I, I kind of missed. Re- ready for a great change or taking a great risk? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Uh, it, you know, I can only go by my own uh, yes. and my own experience. I've seen, you know, lots of times. You know, the thing about taking a risk is you have it has to be calculated. It has to you have to have a safety net of some sort. Uh, you can't just. You shouldn't just take risks that are that could put you in great harm. Right. Um, you know, and I've done that too. Of course, I've been a very. I've done taken a lot of risks over my lifetime, and a lot of them didn't work. But uh, you know, the thing is, if you if you really believe in something, that, that's really a key. You really believe in something. You're passionate about right. something. And you have the good sense to know whether it's a good uh, idea or not. Say, for if you want to be an entrepreneur, um, or you want to change your, you know, what you do for a living, uh, I, I think you have to. It, you, one thing you have to do is be able to love yourself no matter what, because yes. you, you, and then, and then also know that. If something fails, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It, if it fails because it was a really bad idea, then and you shouldn't have done it, 
Well, that's different because that you should do your homework before you take that before. risk. Right. That makes so much sense. And so it's love yourself, do your homework, and of course, like analyze the marketplace, no matter what you're doing, or analyze your situation, because we can apply this to anything, both in business and in personal development. And so we're seeing that you have um, not only had this amazing business, but you also have, um, you started collecting uh, African art. So tell us about that. Yeah, that's so cool. Well, I don't know if you guys knew about, um, if you guys know my story to the point where in 2013, November, I uh, had a mental breakdown. And, okay. you know, it was a result of falling back. I mean, it was a different sort of addiction I got into, but it was a substance abuse. And in this, in this case, it was alcohol. Right. Uh, I became, I started celebrating my success a little bit too much. And, you know, long story short, um, I tried to quit and I did quit drinking, but um, I discovered that I had, you know, getting off the alcohol set me into a mania. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because of all the pressures that were on at that time, it was, it was a lot of selling the company, doing things like that were going on at that time. So the company became so big, sorry to interject. I just want to understand for our audience, the company became so big at that point that you were able to then sell it to a larger conglomerate. Yes. Uh, we sold, what we did is we sold half the company around just before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, sold half the company to private investor, private uh, equity firm in New York called the Good Partners, okay. and um, that was you know that was great in that it kind of made me financially secure. Um, but things changed; the dynamics of the business changed a lot, and they didn't understand. Nobody really remembered what I had done to get us to that point. Everybody was just looking at this kind of guy that was was sort of going off the rails a little bit. Right. And uh, so, so you know, I was creating problems, and uh, the problems were being magnified. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, it, long story short, I I had the mental breakdown. I ran into three cop cars out uh, Washington County, and um, it wasn't like I was on a criminal thing, but uh, I just had a breakdown. So, uh, well, the reason I bring this up is, you know, eventually I had a great fall in depression after this moment, okay. and that depression and that and that sense that you know I was lost in. Uh, and the pain I was feeling from all that, you know, I I discovered uh, eBay and Amazon, right? And right. Uh, the first thing I started doing was buying really inexpensive masks and stuff to put on my wall. I liked that stuff. And uh, that eventually led me to more sophisticated African art um, appreciation. I studied it and I got really into that first about three years because it people say why African art uh, and I say because it has nothing to do with me and it, it's so out of your comfort zone you mean yeah and it took me uh, yeah it took me away from thinking about myself and all my own problems and I love that. Um, it, it worked it worked for that and now uh, because of African art and you know the time that has passed I, I'm a different person I'm I'm healed, I would say. Healed by art. That's so beautiful. 
That's so nice. And is there a country that um, in Africa that inspires you, like a certain uh, type of art that you find gravitated to in particular? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm less common than, I mean, I, I'm not the most, uh, I, I pick Nigeria, number one. For some Wonderful. reason, old Nigerian African art is very interesting to me. And I've, I've got a lot of it. That's fantastic. And they are just well known for their artistic pieces. Are you collecting art itself? Or are you getting into sculptures as well? Well, that's what it is. It's sculptures. It's all wooden and uh, metal and sometimes uh, ceramic sculptures from as far back as a thousand years ago. Um, you know, the, there's metal stuff that is there's copper alloy heads and things that come from the Benin kingdom uh, went going back way back when. And oh. uh, there's a lot of stories. There's a lot of, it was go down the rabbit hole there. Um, you know, some of it's controversial because some of it was taken from them. Yes. When, when they, uh, but it, it was kind of like the spoils of war, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, and so some of that stuff, you know, I don't have any of those, those pieces, but um, I, I just, that was my thing. I've always liked the sculptures, not so much the, you know, regular, like, uh, yeah. That is so beautiful. And now, so you're very creative because we see how much you enjoy art. Of course, Dave's Killer Bread. And now we're seeing your podcast. Tell our audience about your podcast. Yeah, my podcast, I've been doing it for, wow, a year and a half or more. Oh, wow. um, I've kind of laid off the last couple of months to, to just not be uh, probably tied down to it. I have my I have my co-host who's been doing um, the majority of them lately. What's it called, Dave? Tell tell our audience what the podcast is called. Yeah, it's called Felony Inc. Okay. And uh, it's it's really kind of a tongue in cheek name, uh, but it has to do with you know. <laughs> Ex-felon entrepreneurs, and I love talking to people who have turned their lives around and uh, are making something happen, and that's what, it, what, what it's really all about. We do, too. It's all about inspiring people. We see that you're a big beacon of hope for those um, who just feel that they've fallen down a bad path or got themselves stuck, and they can get unstuck if you believe in yourself and you take these positive, calculated risks. And you are a perfect example of that. You're real, you're raw, and you are very, very wise. And I think, you know, just to wrap up, it's, I mean, it's been so nice talking with you. And I think that our audience um, will be happy just to, to feel like, you know, you're such a real person with a real struggle and you've come out at the other end. And I think that's something that we can all learn from. And I want to just add one more thing, you know, maybe in Grace asked, like, when do you know when you're ready to take risk? You know, you're never really ready, right? But you have to make yourself ready. And knowing that you have um, inner strength and maybe also family support, which it sounds like, you know, you had your brother and your father helping you in the bakery. Those are all things that could come together and really make um, change in our life easier. And with that, could come greatness. And I think that that's something that you really sh have shown yourself 
and then all of us able to do. So it's really inspiring for us to talk to you. It's such a pleasure to have you and we'll keep you know eating that bread. So I'm, I'm excited to see what the next thing you're going to come out with, Dave, because I don't think this is it for you. We can't wait. I've got lots going on. Um, I, you know, there's a, a documentary in progress. Um, and I think that's going to be, I think people are going to love it. So and it's going to make a difference. Oh, I'm excited to that's hear about so it. Great I'd love to, to have you back when it comes out. When is it due to come out? Well, there's no due date. It has to come out. It's basically, there's a little over a year left uh, to for sure to have it done. Hopefully, it'll be before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, they've just done a 12-minute uh, work sample, and it'll probably be more like two hours. Amazing. Oh, and it's all so about exciting. your life, I guess. Yeah, uh, it should have lots of insights and, you know, lots of ups and downs. And, um, you know, I think it'll inspire people to to be able to say, wow, okay, this guy did it. I mean, what are the odds? I guess I can do it, too, you know, on my own way. Everybody can. Oh, that's I think so that's so true. Don't you agree, Grace? Absolutely. So inspiring. Dave, you're such a joy to have on the show. Thank you so f- much for joining us. Yeah, Dave, thanks a lot. I hope you have a great rest of the day and a rest of the week. And we'll bring you back because it's really been an honor and a pleasure having you. Yeah, I would love to come back. All right. Thank you. Take care. Bye for now. Bye for now. <laughs> 